Salam and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by the Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host, Salim Qasim. And unfortunately, once again, Hassan has not been able to join us. Um, he's getting far too busy for TMV podcast, sadly. Um, as much as I know people are enjoying his presence on this platform, um, hopefully we'll have him back again soon. Um, so with regards to the, the, the podcast um, or the conversation I had on the podcast today, I was joined by... Uh, brother called Omar Hakim from Compton, um, Los Angeles. Uh, he is the executive director of the Intellect, Love and Mercy Foundation um, and does a, a lot of quite incredible work at a grassroots level um, within the local community. Um, on the podcast, we talked about, um, well, we started by, by, I guess, talking about kind of how he came to, to the religion of Islam. Um, his quite interesting story there talking about uh well i don't want to ruin it i guess so I'll, I'll, I'll leave that up for the actual conversation itself um we then got talking about the organization that he runs and the work that he does um and the conversation it was quite interesting because we just started talking about life in general um uh, he had experienced a, a bereavement just uh, a week or so um before the podcast before we recorded the podcast we had to actually change the date once um, and um, we talked about that and and it, I mean aside from generally just loving the, the accent the, the Compton accent and the way that he speaks um, I could just listen to him talking all day um, but he had some quite a, a fascinating outlook on life generally um, and the approach to the work that he does I really really enjoyed this conversation um, and I hope you guys will as well uh, just before we get underway, uh, I, I usually ask this at the end of the podcast, but I thought I'd mention it at the beginning. If you are a regular listener um, and you subscribe to the podcast, uh, we would really appreciate if you give us a, a five-star rating on um, the Apple podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, it would really mean a lot to us. It would obviously help with um, exposure and whatever else. Yeah, and I always say this as well, if you don't like the podcast, still give it five stars because why not? Um, yeah, without further ado, here's my conversation with Brother Omar Hakim. Assalamu uh, alaikum, Omar. Alaikum assalam, rahmatullah. Thank you very much for, for joining us on the podcast this week. Um, I wanted to start by asking you to kind of tell me about yourself, if that's all right. Um and and just your 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 background and and the work that you're doing and and uh, ill mercy organization as well just a, a kind of brief overview if you can just for our listeners um yeah i'll hand straight over to you okay well i want to thank the muslim vibe for inviting me to this podcast one i'm thankful to allah that he is uh giving us opportunity to communicate like this from across the waters uh, my name is umar hakeem born and raised in compton california Compton, California is on the west coast of the United States, and, it, and Compton is the suburb of Los Angeles, an independent city. It's, it's nicknamed the Hub City, and this is where I was born and raised. I went to all the schools here. I um, I'm a part of the I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a part of the community here. Raised, I've seen a lot, done a lot. Uh, it's only by Allah's mercy that it saved me. By when I'm Became Muslim, and um, w with regards to the work that you're doing now. In fact, I think let's 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 take it from the top. So, 
uh, you converted to Islam in 1998. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, you've done your homework. You're, huh? you're happy with my... I, I, even before when we spoke, you were quite impressed with the research. There, a little bit of research has gone into this. Yeah. So uh, can you tell me more, I guess, about your introduction to Islam? Um, and, and, and again, there was, there was something um, that you mentioned in a previous kind of interview where you spoke about being inspired by Muslim hip-hop artists. Um, yeah. you, said, you said that they had agitated your whole thinking. Um, what, what did you mean by that? Well, um, my mother, who just recently returned to Allah, she raised me in the Episcopal Church. And as an alkalite, you know, all the symbolisms, all the, you know, Catholicism and Episcopal, uh, Episcopalian is almost the same thing. But okay. with all the symbolism and the, and the artwork, it just didn't match up for me. So when um, hip hop came around, you had artists like Chuck D, you had artists like Shabazz, you had a lot of US artists who were Muslim, poor righteous teachers. They was kicking a certain lingo that I had no knowledge of as Christians. What so what what kind of lingo are you talking about? I mean, it was mentioning certain names that I just didn't recognize. Being raised in a in a uh, in a Christian background, there was mentioning certain names. So when um so when Karis One came out with the song "You Must Learn," and in this song he goes down the the uh, the tree from almost from Abraham on down. Mm. So I went back to church and I asked. Who are these people? And they couldn't answer my questions. Even though it was in the Bible, they couldn't ask, they couldn't give me a logical answer. So at that age, I felt I need to go out and seek my own answers. And that that journey that I took, yeah. that path that Allah put me on, led me straight to Islam. You know what I'm saying? And when I when um on the let me see. The day it hit me, I was, it was December 31st, 1997. And I was, a, I was, I was a cable person. I worked, I was a cable technician. So my first job that morning uh, on December 31st, 1997 was a Muslim sister, a Sunni Muslim sister. Her name was Rebecca. I ain't gonna say her name, but you know, she was a Muslim sister. When I walked in the house, she had this tree, starting with Adam, mm. from Adam to Noah, from Noah to uh, to Enoch, to, or to Idris, and then down to uh, Abraham, and then it broke off into two branches. One went all the way down to Esau, uh, even Miriam, may Allah have mercy on him, you know, and then the other one went down to uh, Ishmael, yeah. and. No, no, matter of fact, it broke down to Isaac and then it went down the family tree all the way down to Jesus, son of Mary, and then down to uh, 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 Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So I had a question because I never seen this diagram before. Um, I didn't know too much about Muslims, even though the Nation of Islam was was real relevant here in, 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 in the United States, but I never knew too much about them. So she explained it to me. Yeah. Said they're all family. I'm like, well, I was never taught that in the church. And, um, she basically gave me my first 
dars or first lesson about Islam. And then I asked her, what type of book can I read? Yeah. She looked at me. She went in the back room and came back and said, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. And she handed me my first Quran. And I read this book every, it was New Year's Eve here. So, you know, New Year's Eve, you partying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> then my turn up, my turn up habits was heavy. So, <laughs> so I was, um, but this book came into my life on December 31st. I decided to just sit down and read this book every day for the next six months. Wow. So I read the whole Quran of what I've understood at the time, which, you know, you can never understand it in just six months. Yeah. But I read this book for the next six months. And then I went, and, and, and in these six months, I was going back and forth to with all these questions. She was giving me these answers and, and really logical answers that my church couldn't answer. So she said, she said, uh, she said, are you ready? I said, ready for what? Ready to take your Shahada. You know, I'm still kind of ignorant. I'm like, Shahada, who? <laughs> and so, so I'm like, um, she said, are you ready to take your declaration of faith? I said, okay, does that mean, I said, I got to do something first. I got to do one thing first. She said, okay, let me know. So I came back, I told my mom, I, my, I had one child then, I said, my son, I'm about to convert to Islam or, or, or revert to Islam. A lot of African-Americans like to say revert to Islam because this was our uh, natural disposition before we was enslaved here in the Americas, right? So, so I had to do one thing, though. I had to do one thing. That one thing was to eat a pepperoni and sausage pizza because I had to... <laughs> Because I had to cut out pork. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> so I had to do that one thing, and Allah oh gave me that mercy to yeah. have what, that last pepperoni and sausage pizza. And then I called her. I said, I'm ready. <laughs> so, so July 3rd, 19th. I hope you brush your teeth before you said the shahada then. Man, come on. <laughs> come on, man. Um, so July 3rd, 1998, I said, and it's been an uphill battle of, of a transformation ever since. Um, and then, uh, so from there is when I'm, I, I accepted my appointment to become Muslim. You know what's, what's fast? Thank you very much, by the way, for sharing that with us. But what's fascinating about um, reversion story, stories or conversion stories is that I've found the amount of times that people have uh, or I've heard people talk about how they came to Islam and the one thing that always plays such a crucial role is the the Quran um, yeah. and and it, it I mean again my research is telling me that this was the first full book that you read since elementary school mm -hmm. um, you've done your research <laughs> well ground video huh? this is this is part of the part of the role but um it's fascinating. It's fascinating that um, a lot of people. It's like they ha they they they've never finished the book. They you know they haven't got through more than a chapter of Harry Potter, for example. But then something happens, and with you, it was you know by chance going to a sister's house and seeing a, a poster on the wall, and 
all of a sudden from there that was the the, the catalyst yes. that you needed and when she put the book in your hands and and it, it was amazing as i think and i've probably said this before but with the born muslim experience to be perfectly honest is that we take the quran for granted um because we're because we're born in a family where like we're taught to read it from a young age and we just you know we're taught in arabic and then we read the translation but we don't really connect with it and i find it very powerful and inspiring when someone comes completely fresh into the faith looks at this book not fully understanding the context not understanding the sort of weight of it as we see it as the word of god yes. um but it resonates with your with your fitra with your like your innate self i mean uh, I don't mean to cut you off. Was you finished? No, no, I'm done. I'm done. Go for it. So for me, at the time, I was dealing with a lot of personal vices. Um, growing up in Compton, California, you grow up part of the community. And you inherit a lot of the... Um, I participated in a lot of activity that, that people tend to glorify on TV and, and stuff like that, right? So I had a lot of vices that I had to deal with. And when I read this book, I almost felt freedom from those vices that that had a hand on me. Um, if I if I'm if I could name some of those vices, um, a womanizer. Um, I had a I had a misunderstanding of uh, substance abuse. You know what I'm saying? Drugs, alcohol. Yeah. Um, my ties to the neighborhood. But when I when I when I started reading this book and it said Alhamdulillah, like in that article y'all have um, about your purpose, this, uh, whoever wrote the article said the first word that you read that you read in the Quran is the Fatiha, and it says Alhamdulillah. This this attitude of being grateful, yeah, and that right there just um, I didn't know what it was. I, and, and, and keep in mind, I wasn't reading Arabic. I was reading English. Hmm. So Allah spoke to me through the English. May Allah bless uh, Yusuf Ali uh, for that translation. And that English called me to the dean. And I just, I, and, 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 I, and I haven't turned back since. So yes, the speech of Allah plays a heavy role in my in my life today because there's no philosopher there's no other author there is no um academic studies that is higher than this book than this speech should i say um i i'm gonna keep by the way referencing stuff that i've said before so go ahead I'm with you. <laughs> no sorry that, that you've said that you've said in the past um so from then i think it relates quite nicely um in a, in a kind of former interview you said that as your faith deepens so too does your desire to be disruptive yes now that's very interesting can you can you explain that a little bit well obviously the word disruptive come, comes out of the technology field i'm a commodore 64 kid you know what i'm saying my, that's, that's a, well before my time i don't know what that means and i'm glad i don't you must be a millennial. <laughs> uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit of a millennial. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'm Generation X. So, <laughs> but anyway, as my faith deepened, I found the reason, Allah gave me a reason to bust out of my colon, my colonized mindset. Okay. Because 
here in the West, we are in the West, we live under colonialism. You know what I'm saying? That's that that hangs over us. So I felt I feel it's a need for for me to feel free and connected to the universe and connected to Allah for me to deepen my faith so I could feel that freedom. Because for my people, I don't know about anybody else, for my people, these 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 four hundred years, this 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 four hundred years has been really uh 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 a demonizing situation on my people. And when Allah sent this speech to me or to us, we feel, we feel rescued. We feel rescued. So yes, I do feel a meaning to disrupt. Um, and, and when I say disrupt, I want to, I want, I want people to understand in the best ways in the character of a Muslim. You know what I'm saying? Because, um, and that's just to show a renewed people, someone who is renewed, revived, and restored. Um, and it's all done by God's mercy. We didn't, you know, I didn't have to go through certain situations to receive God's mercy. It came while I was free. So me deepening my faith, I feel the reason. Now I feel, I feel more alive than I did prior to accepting Islam. You know, you mentioned colonized minds, and it's something that I've actually discussed on this podcast with other guests, um, and often in like the British context, um, like in the UK. Um, obviously, we have a history of colonization of you know of, of India, for example. My heritage is from India, and you have okay. this kind of inferiority complex amongst Indians in the UK um, when looking okay. at the, the the white establishment because we are inferior. Because in India, okay. we were controlled by the whites by the British, and so now that we followed them here we still don't feel worthy and we feel like we have to assimilate and that we have to, you know, um, earn that status of being equal. Um, so it, it's interesting to hear you mention the very same notion. But what I wanted to know from you is, do you think that the experience of, of, of slavery and the history of, of Africans in America, looking at the context today in a place like Compton, for example, is there still an issue of people kind of not seeing themselves, not seeing themselves as worthy of a better life, like the hood life is is their life, and that's it. Um, like is there is there still another layer that they need to kind of remove from their heads that actually they do deserve something better? I mean, in the Western world, for us to for for that legacy, for us for the Western world to exist. They want us to embrace all their principles, all their education, and everything that comes along with that. Um, the creator, God, wants us to practice these five pillars because it's not about just this life. This life is the test for the next life. So those who want to cling to this life, the creator is so merciful, go ahead. Yeah. But our 400 years has been so traumatic. When Allah gave us this speech and get, told us about these, about paradise and rivers flowing underneath and um, um, the brocade and the silk, Allah gave us a tangible vision to work for his mercy through these five pillars. And for me, the African-American narrative isn't it's, 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 it's to me, Allah is raising a Muslim in, 
in the West to 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 let to let the world know that hey, God exists. God is one. Because that, to me, I I feel that we're living a prophecy. I don't you know that um like one of the signs of the day of judgment that the sun won't set in the West. Mm. That could mean that could mean uh, guidance. That could mean whatever, however you want to take that. The sun won't set in the west, and to me, I think that's the Muslim. That's us. You know what I'm saying? And you know, um, and when I say us, not just the African American, but the whole collective. Yeah. Of people, once we once we rid ourselves of this colonized mindset. We can we can become a human being because the human being is not to be held down. I mean, everything is bad for you these days. Gas is high. I don't know about in the UK, but gas is like five dollars here. But all these resources was put here by God to help mankind progress. But now these resources are being used against mankind. So once we release ourselves and start sharing this message that God is one, that God has given this earth to, to the people of earth, yeah. we could return to, uh, we could start being human beings again instead of uh, robots in somebody else's policy. That's, uh, that's very, very, very interesting. Um to, to be honest, I'm also I, I love the, the 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 style that you have when you talk. Um, I think it might be like a an LA thing, but it's very soothing just listening to you speak. I'm happy to do this podcast for hours if you want. You can just talk, and I'll just sit back and man, take it can, all in. Man, you know I'm trying. You know maybe you could. You know after the podcast we could talk about something else. But um, <laughs> for me, yeah. when I became Muslim. When I became Muslim, it was the hardest thing to start practicing because now I have to reiterate a life of what I thought was freedom. What I thought Re reprogramming was, your mind basically. I had, to, I had to reprogram my mind of what I thought I was practicing everything that was damaging to my soul mm. by trying to assimilate into the character, by trying to assimilate into the character of a what what they want us, or how they want us to be to fit within their culture. But, you know, when a person believes in God, whether he's Christian, Jewish, or, or, or whatever, once you yeah. start believing in the creator, he gives you uh, a rite of passage. He gives you, the creator gives you 99 attributes to call upon. The creator gives us access to the universe and it's free, but society want to charge you for it. Like in Surah 67, I believe Allah tells us to look at the bird and how and who upholds the birds, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you look at that concept, that's a plane in today's world. Allah gave us the knowledge to, the Quran holds the knowledge for us to 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 uh to get knowledge to where Allah want to take us. But powers that be or whoever they are is using this for commerce instead of using it for mankind benefit. Mm. To gain wealth. So that's why you got the 
and the one percent. Yeah, that's. I, I mean, it's it's definitely uh, the the interesting thing. I think also is that there's a there seems to be a lot of parallels between the experience um, of of minority groups um, globally, really. To be honest, so like whenever we've we've done these kind of podcasts, we've spoken to different people from around the world. There's always uh, an underlying theme and and one of the things you mentioned just now which i thought was very interesting was about us and we were talking about reprogramming our minds yeah. and i feel like the experience here um and what i've seen is that as muslims we we perform the acts um that that you know re- we're required to like praying and fasting and whatever else mm-hmm. but sometimes there's almost like a a reluctance to do it because our minds are still programmed in in the other way even though we're muslim and even though we're born muslim a lot of the time mm-hmm. we still see freedom as not having to pray um we still see freedom as not having to stop your day in the middle of the day and praying and whatever else but ultimately the, the the reality of it is that that is an opportunity to connect with with Allah and, and to achieve a, a, a greater and more ultimate freedom um, but we're still stuck in that kind of traditional way of um, or not that traditional sorry that uh, let's say that western or non-religious way of seeing things um, and that's something at least in the UK that that there's a huge I guess drive to to abolish religion and undermine religion and you know nowadays to, to go in like a work setting and I've been in like uh, you know working in, in larger companies and talking to people and having a conversation and trying to say that you believe in God in itself in like a liberal society is just almost laughable like people don't w- won't accept the fact that you believe that there's a God do, do, you, know, do you get what I'm saying you're the odd one out um, I, I, and so, yeah, you, yeah. society's really shifted I wanted to also um, coming back to your own story sorry I, I want to understand another kind of shift that you made um, so you were working in, in telecommunications for some time um, and then you kind of gave that all up and got into hum- in, into the humanitarian sector um, and I know that's a lot of the work that you're doing now as well that's um, a story yes what what triggered that well, in the practice of these five pillars, there's certain good deeds that's going to stand for you on the day of judgment. And one of the and one of the best of the good deeds is to is to help people. Mm-hmm. So, um, the foundation I'm a director of was founded by Imam Sadiq Safir. Imam Sadiq Safir is a re, is is, a, is 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 our own scholar, African American scholar here, that has led a community. Um, after the 1975 conversion of African-Americans into Islam, right? So Imam Saga Safir established this uh, foundation. Can I, can I interrupt for a quick second? Yes, sir. You, you mentioned the 1975 conversion of African-Americans. Um, it, okay. I, I've never heard of that. Is that like a, an event or what, what exactly took place? Major. Um, so, okay. So imagine... Oh, so so you got the nation of Islam. Yeah. Um, that's a part of our history. Um, um, that's a part of our history. But then you have Sunni Islam or Al-Islam being introduced. Mm-hmm. So in that conversion from the nation of Islam to Al-Islam, uh, Warren, uh, Elijah Muhammad's son, Warren, Warren B. Muhammad, led one of the biggest conversion of Muslims in 1975 to accept Al-Islam. 
I think something like over 200,000 people became, African-Americans became Al-Islam Muslims. Wow. And did that fracture then the nation? So of that was here. Did, huh? did, that fracture, did that fracture the nation of Islam? No, 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 no. I mean, people, you know, everything was in steps for us as African-Americans. Yeah. Every step. So if you look at, if you, if you, if you look at our history that goes back to like, as far as Marcus Garvey, Noble Jew Ali, the Akhmandia movement, the um, the um, the Nation of Islam movement, to raise this Muslim in the West had to be done in steps. Mm. So to where we at today to say Al Islam practicing these five pillars, you had to you had to take this human being because about like I think the percentage is like about forty percent. Of the slaves who brought from Africa were Muslims. So we was brought here to the Americas. So over the years, over the years, the, the, the hundreds of years, there's a, been a transformation going on, at least for, I could say, in African Americans. So in 1975 was that introduction from 1619 to 1975 was that introduction of Al Islam. African Americans. So now we adhere the Articles of Faith, the Five Pillars, and um, practicing Al Islam. Now the okay. nation, the nation is still here. Well, and I can't say nothing wrong about my Nation of Islam brothers because these brothers and sisters are in the trenches. They they brought light to me when I was in the dark. So for me, it's still one community, one nation. You know what I'm saying? But other people would say this, that, and the other, but I don't get into that argument. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because being rescued out of darkness is only a mercy from Allah. 100%. And I think, I mean, yeah, let, let, I don't want to get into the conversation around the nation of Islam, but yeah. for yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. people, it's yeah. been a stepping stone. Um, and, it, and it's as you said, it's been a part of the process and the growth and development. Um, like you look at the history of, of, of Malcolm X, of Muhammad Ali as well. Um, the, the nation of Islam played a, a, an integral part in, in their own journeys, right? And, and, and those two individuals, for example, have left a legacy for us um, yeah. in, in, in the short lives that they lived. Well, obviously, Muhammad Ali lived on, on quite long, but Malcolm X, um, is obviously, his life was, was cut short. Um, so we we were talking about uh, why you got into the the kind oh, of the humanitarian oh, sector. Sorry, I know we got sidetracked there a little bit. I just wanted to understand the history a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so back to your own story. Let me see. Um, so as my faith deepened, yeah, my faith deepened. I, I started really get uh, looking below my waterline of my iceberg. You feel me? And I started to really starting to feel as I'm becoming more Muslim and trying to be the best practitioner of Islam that I can, I started, I originally wanted to own a record company. That's okay. that, that was my path. I was on my way to own a record company. So if you look, if, if, if you Google whoop, whoop.com, no H in the second whoop. <laughs> that was my online. I love how you're still plugging it. Yeah. That was my <laughs> online streaming service. of Whoop.com. Yeah. So I was, um, so the story goes, I was here in Compton, 
and we was having a shura at the local map at the local masjid, and the founder of the foundation I'm the director of came over to help us work things out. So then, whatever he saw in me, he said, "You should come out here to Los Angeles with us." And then that's when I started learning more about Quran and Sunnah. I started learning about more about Hadith. I started learning about the. I started learning more about the four rightly because I'm a major fan of the four rightly guided, which is um, Abu Bakr, Umar, uh, Uthman, and Ali. May Allah be pleased with all of them. I'm a major because in those four stories you can find guidance. You can find guidance in how to uh, become a better person, especially in uh, in all of their lives, because none of them bickered one another. They may have disagreed, but they stayed on the path of Allah. But anyway, so the foundation, which is Intellect, Love, and Mercy Foundation, we use the word ELM as an acronym for Intellect, Love, and Mercy. Our mission yeah, very clever. I like that. Yeah, our mission is teaching life skills to replace social ills. And we, we delivered this methodology through community organizing, through uh, youth mentoring, and advocacy for the homeless. So our biggest program is called Humanitarian Day. Humanitarian Day is a day in Ramadan when we organize the interfaith community as well as the Muslim community to provide for the homeless. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, if you look at our website and our, in our videos on YouTube and stuff like that, you see actions of this. Um, our Instagram is uh, Intellect, Love, and Mercy. And you see these videos that explain how we, how the Muslim community and other communities are coming together to organize and provide for the homeless during the month of Ramadan. So mm -hmm. our motto our, our, our mantra is we convert charity into awareness, advocacy, and action for homelessness. And what's the, the situation? So, sorry, uh, I mean, sorry, continue, please. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, what's the, the situation like with the homeless in, in, in Compton right now? Well... Not just Compton, but in Southern California, period, homelessness is out of hand. Homelessness is part of, like, 33% of the population. Uh, you got 33% of the population here in Los, in Los Angeles County. People are homeless. Wow. So what I mean, so, like, when I say tent city, it's for real. I mean, people living with, you got families living without health care. You have families, um, rent, um, inflation has just gone up so much, people can't afford rent. So then that puts them in, the, in, 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 that puts them in the, in, in, in the stasis of uh, suffering homelessness until they could get back on their feet. So um, we have a homeless crisis going on in California. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so the Elm Foundation, my foundation, we uh, community organized for homelessness. Uh, as I'm also the president of uh, LA Voice, which is a local community organizer. And um, we do a lot of social justice work for the people. So 
what triggered everything, when you help the people, Allah helped you. When you help his creation, Allah gives you more rahma. You feel me? So, um, it's just, you know, I just lost my mother. And I bear witness to what Allah say is true. And um, we're all going to be in that grave one day. And the only thing that's going to speak for you are your deeds. You ain't going to be able to take the uh, the local hip-hop song with you. You ain't going to be able to take your Prada with you, your Gucci with you. only thing you take into that grave are your deeds. So what triggered me, I would like for my deeds to speak for me on that day. That we all, that's, that's relative to all the Abrahamic faiths. And it's for me. It's just that simple. Any everything, anything else, is a is a is, is a plus from Allah. But I just want to go into my grave with some good deeds, my dude. That's it. <laughs> I I was gonna ask you after the trigger question was why do you keep doing the work that you're doing? But I think you've just given me one of the most incredible answers, and and, and it's very apt. And and you mentioned your mother's passing. Your mother your mother passed away just a couple of weeks ago. Yes, um, oh, September 18th, September 18th, and today, very raw, this is October 2nd, yeah. And we, we we were due to speak, I think, just around the time that she passed away. Um, yes, sir. And I, th I, I thought it was it was very brave of you to actually come and, and arrange this so soon after, um, and, and thank you. And I think it, it's a testament to your character in terms of the kind of work that you do, um, and obviously this falls into a part of it, as I mentioned to you before, that the reason I wanted to speak to you was because the work that you're doing, the work that people like you are doing is very inspiring and it's very motivational. And I think for the, for the Muslim community around the world, and especially for Muslims that are born into the faith, sometimes we take our faith for granted. Um, we take yes. the blessings that we have for granted, the opportunities that we have. Um, and and people, are always, people are always wondering, how do I do something that has a social impact? How do I use the time that I have to not just dedicate towards my family and my work? How do I give back? And what you did, which was very interesting, was that you you moved away from your kind of the job that you were doing previously, which was just like a, a day job, and suddenly your work has become your life's work, um, and and it it has a it has a reality, a deeper and greater reality beyond just putting food on the table or whatever else. It actually has a social impact which as you said, inshallah, is your legacy and is also your mother's legacy because she yeah. raised you and she taught you. And, and so, you know, inshallah, God gives her uh, rahmah in the grave and, and beyond because of, because of the amazing work that she's done with you and, and the amazing work that you continue to do in the world. I mean, um, I wanted to say, um, you said something that triggered me. Um, the human being, I'm going to say everything, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not just going to just harp on the word Muslim. Mm. Because God created human beings. You feel me? So, as a human being, our creator has given us everything that we need to survive. He's given us air, light, darkness, water, the five elements, everything, right? 
resources. And yes, my mother returned to Allah on September 18th. And in our Sunnah, it's like three days of mourning. Because from for me, I can't speak for nobody else. Mm. Me, if I go beyond, I don't want to get stuck in a depression. Yeah. Of 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 because I have a I have a responsibility and a mission to 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 stay on track for it. And I miss my mama dearly. Lord knows I miss my mama. And at the same time, I don't want to get stuck in a de depression that's going to distract me from the work that I have to do. So I took my three days off. I don't know for other people how that works for them. But this is a part of that deepening of faith. Reading this morning, if you read the Quran on a daily basis or however, whatever frequency you read it in, it basically means to keep your trust in your creator. Mm. I will always refer to the uh, attribute alcoholic. The, I call God the creator. And that's how that's, that's comfortable for me. So um, when, when come to um, our creator, you know, because he, he created all this for us to, 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 so we could be pleased with him. This that's a major, mercy. that's a major mercy. But people are capitalizing on all the free gifts that he has given the earth to make money, capitalism. And, you know, and to me, that's the struggle of the world right now is, 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 is capitalism. And then, then um, that's why people are moving into this social mindset to share, to share because capitalism has done a lot of damage. Yeah, and the future for me, the future of things, it doesn't make me a socialist to provide for people. I just think it just makes me a human being wanting to share with people. Because, well, I, I, go ahead. I guess the, the the very notion of being a human being um, is is central to the work that you guys do, and and being a humanitarian, um, and. I, and I know that the largest event that you guys have every every year is Humanitarian Day. Yes. Um, and I, I think it's, it's very interesting that the ethos that you have in what you just said um, also permeates throughout your organization and the work that you do. Um, um, yeah. And it's very reassuring to hear that because I feel like also, you know, given coming back briefly to just talking about death and, and disruption in life and, you know, when people get, divorced and major things happen and and suddenly their kind of equilibrium is put out of balance you find that people in my in my experience will go like either one way or the other some people manage to kind of weather the storm and continue some people yeah. suddenly their faith is shaken their life has been turned upside down um and and, and a, an incident like losing a loved one can can derail them entirely and what they thought yeah. to be so strong and so important and hold so so true to their essence suddenly is lost almost in an instant um and, and so it, it's it, again like i i admire your kind of bravery um in terms of you know taking the time out and then getting back to work because the mission is actually what underpins everything and we were talking yes. sorry just before i let you jump in we were talking about the muslim vibe earlier kind of um like a, a team meeting 
No, sorry, yes, we were on Instagram Live, and and we were, what we were talking about was that ultimately the project of the Muslim Vibe as a platform is uh-huh. one thing, and sometimes you get lazy, you get burnt out, you know, it becomes a bit difficult. But if there's a vision underpinning all of that, if there's something that's driving you beyond just the platform itself, then it, it can never stop because it's not about you as an individual. It's not about the Muslim vibe. It's about the, the overall vision of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And that work is never going to stop. Does that make sense? And this is, and this is why, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, this is why the colonized mind cannot contain the mind of the Muslim. Mm. It's, the it's, true, it's the gone. true Muslim. Well, you know, what is a true Muslim today? The the the, the, on, the, the only true Muslim that I know of, his name is Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Everybody's trying to live up to that example. But the mercy that Allah gives us in that practice is huge. It's huge. So to me, in in, in my mind, the most truest Muslim that I've ever read about, his legacy lives throughout all of us. You see what I'm saying? And yeah. right now, we're experiencing another, to me, we're experiencing a transformation from um, into just becoming a human being because uh, the powers that be, they haven't provided, a you know, we could get into a lot of conspiracy theories and stuff like that, <laughs> but you know, but but at the same time, being you know, huh? So, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I think to 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 stay away from that that side of things and focus yeah. on the good and the light. Um, one yeah. thing that always um resonates with me is that you know they they say that the the prophet came to do one thing, and that's to perfect our morals. Yeah ultimately perfect what it means to be a human being and that's it that's the essence of it we're not here to make everyone muslim we're not here to convert the world we're not here to take over the world to lead we're just here to be the best versions of ourselves, and that's it diamonds are born under pressure (laughs) and and the thing is i feel like if if more people understood or tried to understand the essence of of what our role is as muslims what it means to be a muslim what we can learn from the life of the prophet and from his companions, there's there's everything there. And the Quran tells us that you know we we have you know look at history. There so, are lessons so in the Quran. There's, it's, so it's, it's so it's so simple. Now, obviously, there's one thing to get your head around it, and then to get your heart to follow, like you okay. said, right? Your your head was there with regards to Islam, yeah. um, but then you still needed that pepperoni pizza, right? Amen. Um, <laughs> no, but what? But what's interesting is that it's almost like a metaphor for, for even us as, as, as now, now, you know, you, you've obviously been within the faith for, for what, 20 years, 21 years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's my quick maths off the top of my head. Yeah, it sounds about right. But like, yeah. even then, whilst I, we know what we know to be true with regards to Islam, but everyone mm-hmm. still has their pepperoni pizza once in a while. Do you know what I mean? I don't have we no more str- pizzas. <laughs> Only the that's halal tough. kind. I'm using it as a metaphor not from a food perspective yeah. but in terms of like from sins and vices and things like that like we know well, that we're damaging ourselves but we still struggle to go beyond that that too for me, if we're going to look at this thing around a pepperoni and sausage pizza <laughs> I wanted to make sure 
Yeah. That when I became Muslim, I'm diving in. Okay. I'm diving, I'm gonna set this whole. If I gotta stop eating pork, then no. More, if that's what my Lord say, no more pork. Yeah. It's not that hard. I'm not gonna let the. I'm not gonna let the pop culture tell me that this is good for me. So mm. I used to like it so much. So this is like divorcing yourself from your old habits. Yeah. That pepperoni pizza was the for me was divorcing myself from my old habits. For now, a halal pepperoni and sausage pizza doesn't, doesn't taste as good, does it? Uh to me, <laughs> to me, to me, to me, the fact that it's halal, yeah, the fact that it's halal, it tastes just as good as not even better. Because I didn't know it existed. Your your faith is much stronger than mine. Yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> I'm I'm always thinking. You know when like I, I see like uh, ribs and things like that. I'm always thinking they they look good on TV, especially like there's a lot of food shows. I'm raising California where ribs play a major part of the culture. And <laughs> when I became Muslim. They like when I became Muslim, my neighborhood was like, you don't eat pork no more. So we got beef ribs for you. We got yeah. chicken. <laughs> they 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 respected the dean so much yeah. out of my practice that they cooked the beef first. Mm. Oh, they went to that length. They went to that level for me. For this is the wow. mercy of Allah. My neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So that's so I never divorced my neighborhood family at all when I became Muslim. Yeah. We we stayed a family. So they would cook the beef first. Mm. And put the pork ribs last. Because they knew that since I'm Muslim, I'm coming yeah. to the barbecue. So yeah, them so yeah, them pork ribs be looking good, man, but it's it's nothing like a beef rib, you know, a halal beef rib, you know what I'm saying? Because now yeah, you're you, getting because now you, you can keep saying you can keep saying that, but I'm always gonna be thinking <laughs> Man, I mean, brother don't don't oh this is what i want no, to no, say i'm not tempted i'm not tempted at okay. all but you know how it is it's you're always just thinking at the back of your head this is <laughs> what i wonder what i was thinking about is um the muslim have a have 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 an energy that's against us he's mm. called shaitan his main objective is to show that we are not worthy of god's mercy so he's going to... us. Huh? His main objective is to show us that we're not worthy of God's mercy? His main objective is to show Allah that his creation is uh, not worthy of the mercy that he lucked out on by not bowing down to Adam. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So he's going to come at us from the right, the left, the back, and the front. He's going to try to convince us to change our nature. He's going to mm. try to give us all type of distractions. So to to prove that we're not worthy of his mercy, when I read that book, I started feeling worthy again. You feel me? I started knowing that I'm. I started it connecting me back to my culture. I do not come from just a slave culture. I'm. I'm I was. I'm. I'm. I'm in the lineage of great men and women who worship God. And, and for me. That's my culture, not just this uh, 400 years of slavery. You feel me? To yeah. me, 
So when Allah gave me that the, the, the speech, that reconnected me to who I am as a person that, 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 that connects with the world and the universe. You mm -hmm. feel me? So um, for me, when people look at African-American Muslims, they want to highlight the slavery thing. Nah, as Muslim, we go back all the way to Africa to connect with our people in Pakistan and India, to connect with our people in Egypt. That's yeah. who I am. That's the, who I the am. Sad reality, the sad reality, sorry to, to interrupt, but the sad reality oh. for me is that our communities, at least in the UK I know, are still defined by race. So you have a Pakistani community, then you'll have an Afghani community, you'll have a, a, an Indian center, you'll have an Iraqi center, you know, and, and you'll have a Bangladeshi center. And we're still sticking together as people of, of our culture when the notion in Islam is all about the ummah, it's all about the collective, that me and you should be praying side by side, not you pray in one mosque because you're African-American, I pray in another mosque because I'm... I'm of Indian heritage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, after that, after World War One or World War Two, they knew the powers that be knew that they had to break this collective up. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And then Shaitan himself, you know, he knew he had to divide the hearts of the people. You see what I'm saying? To get people to follow him to hell because that's where he's going. Regardless yeah. of the fact, but those who choose the path of being a human being and being Muslim, or I'm going to just say being a human being, God has a reward for you. You feel me? So at the same time, you know, when they broke, when they started mapping out the world and dividing territories and carving out, this is mine, that's yours. Satan put in that racism thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, and a lot of people bit on it. So, so like, so like now you can't. So like now, all these women who are not married, you might find you might find a true soldier in that African Muslim, but due to the lines of division, because he's not of our race or background, you shouldn't marry that person. But to me, my struggle is just that's why I advocate for being human beings. Because then you start to see above this this thing called white nationalism and racism and just being, you know, the Pakistani mosque, the, the African American mosque, the the uh, 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 whoever mosque. You know what I'm saying? To me, when we all go back to God on the day of judgment, we all gonna be naked. You know what I'm saying? Hope, hoping that we get God's mercy. And then, hey, um, hey have you ever been on Hodge? I have, yeah. I went about three years ago. I did my highs, all praises due to a lot last year. And that, how was it? I went down my rabbit hole. I left yeah. again. It felt like 1997 again. 1998 yeah. again. You know, I went down my rabbit hole and came back up and left that person who I don't want to be anymore. Yeah. I left him in that rabbit hole. And a lot brought me, you know, and, 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 and that moved. That part of Muzdalifah, hmm. that was my rabbit. That's when I, I left somebody at, I left my old self at Muzdalifah. You feel me? Because um, I felt like I was renewed again, man. Because you know, everything, that, everything that God say about the universe and about earth and about being, it's so true. You know what I'm saying? We get so distracted 
with I'm traveling, I'm going here, here, and there, there. Man, do that Hodge. You, you, you know, think- with, with Hodge, I think the nicest thing, so Muzdalifah was it for you, but for yeah. me, it was actually being around the Kaaba and just sitting there. Um, yes. And, yes. And the time that you get, and also, like, what I find is that when I'm in an environment where there's thousands and thousands and millions of people, I, I'm able to find some form of solitude and that kind of one-to-one intimacy and connection with Allah. Um, and, and it's time that you don't find in your day-to-day life. Yeah. Like our lives are too busy for us to be able to sit down and take that time to ponder and reflect and think. Yes. Um, we're just too caught up in doing everything and getting everything done. Yes. Um, that when you find that time, like you, I, I remember, and, and now that you mentioned it, I, I can almost, like it brought a smile to my face because I can feel the tranquility I felt when I was there. Um, and, and we're unable to, like, it's just almost impossible to get running around all day. And as you said, like, just go for Hajj, go for Umrah, go be there um, and allow yourself to kind of just take stock of where you are. And as you say, try and, and leave uh, a, a, the negative part of yourself there and come back refreshed and renewed. And that's why I think ultimately, although we have to perform it once in our lives as like it, it, it's mandatory, but I feel yeah. like the more times you can go for Umrah, the better, just because of what impact it can have on your soul and on your, on your spirit. Um, yes, sir. It, it's, it's so important for me, at least, to kind of use that as a, as a time to re-anchor and reshape. And I hadn't been to, to Mecca in years. I went uh-huh. as a kid, and then the next time I went was for Hajj three years ago. So I didn't know what to expect. And, and inshallah, but it was a, a, a mind-blowing experience. Yes, yes, you know, and this is part of the distractions. Yeah. You know, to, you know, the Hajj is now so expensive to make, mm. you know what I'm saying? I, um, one of my brothers just came back, I said, I said, whatever you, I don't care what package you go on, there's no such thing as a five-star Hodge. Mm. People fall for these five-star packages and, and stuff. There's no such thing as a five-star Hodge because you go, everybody experiences different. For you, it was at the Kaaba. For me, it was Delifa because here we land in this valley. Yeah. Everybody's sleeping. And then you hear the Adan. And people rise up. And that was like their judgment for me. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Everybody just rise up and pray to get this whole big old valley and yeah. people and people doing salat in, in different ranks. And I'm like, wow. Nowhere, nowhere else. And this is what Shaitan don't want us to reconnect with our creator. To to, to and this bear witness to what I read in the book. So yeah. so this this is part of the reason why I do what I do. Um, that Allah has blessed me, giving me the will and the ability to do what I do and to advocate for just being a human being and to use my Islam to um, to help others reconnect with their human being side. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because cause without that, I'm, I'm like, without that embracing being a human being, things could get way worse. 100%. And, and you, you know, I think that might be a, a nice place to just... Um, finish off yes sir because we we've, we've kind of done full circle and and you've we've, we've ended it quite nicely in terms of you know we spoke about hajj and and 
spiritual spiritually connecting with God and everything else. And and ultimately that's why we do what we do. Yeah. Um and I've been I've been blessed to have met and to know some remarkable individuals, predominantly in the UK, because obviously that's where I'm based. Um, yes. But but I, I genuinely feel like and I can add you to that that list of people that are doing remarkable things um, for the sake of Allah um, and, and really trying to make a change and impact their local communities. And, and I only pray that you're, you, you, you get more of a, an opportunity to serve and to continue to serve in a long life um, to continue to do the fantastic work that you're doing. Um, accept our efforts. Inshallah. But thank you once again for joining us on the podcast. It's been a, it's been a genuine pleasure. Thank you for this opportunity, man. And shout out to all my people in the UK and um, uh, Noor Jahan, my homegirl. Uh, 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 oh, she going to be mad that I forgot her name. You can't, uh, you can't be forgetting names now. Oh, man. Uh, we're we're going to keep rolling till you get this one I, done. <laughs> I hope she don't hear this. <laughs> well, don't, don't send it to her then. She's into fitness in the UK, and she's a real big fitness buff. Nazia Car. <sighs> Hold on, before you cut me off, I want to get. I feel this... like you're making you're making it worse by by only knowing half the name. No. <laughs> Nazia Cartoon. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> Nazia Cartoon. She's a fitness director there, in uh in the UK in London somewhere. Okay. Shout to all my folks in London. Thank you for this opportunity to speak to you from Compton. No, thank you very much, and thank you for, for for being so open and sharing your kind of story and everything with with us. Yes, sir. Anytime. So that was my conversation with Omar. Um, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I could literally listen to the brother talking endlessly. Um, he has a real kind of charisma about him and i have a lot of respect for him and the work that he does um and the work that i think countless individuals are doing around the world in their local communities and often just without any recognition without any notoriety they just kind of crack on and and do amazing things and change lives um and, and it's just a, a part of their existence um yeah, so more, more generally, with the Muslim Vibe podcast, we have some fantastic guests lined up. Uh, to be honest, I think the last couple of podcasts specifically have been have been really fascinating. We've obviously had a little birthday episode as well um, in between where I sat down with Hasib, the co-founder of the, the Muslim Vibe, and we just kind of took a trip down memory lane and just spoke about how we started the platform, why we started it, and some kind of fond memories that we had along the way. Um and we have more great content lined up um so be sure to subscribe if you haven't already um and we'll see you next week